Okay, hello everybody. This is uh, Andy LeBeau of Commodity Research Group, and I'm joined this week with uh, Marty Stetzer, president of EKT Interactive, and we are going to be talking about the EIA numbers and what's been going on in the uh, oil market, as well as some geopolitical developments with uh, Saudi Arabia, Iran, uh, a little bit on the uh, stock market and how it's affecting uh, how it's affecting oil and uh, anything else the two of us can think of. <laughs> Hi everyone, Marty Stetzer here in Houston. Happy to be part of the program. Sounds like we have a lot to cover, and, and I'm looking forward to hearing your insights, Andy. Okay, well, let me start with the uh, weekly numbers, uh, which came out. I, I thought it was sort of a mixed bag this week. Uh, there was a there was a draw of crude. Uh, I'm sorry, a build of crude of 6.2 million barrels. I was looking for up 4.2. I think the crude was looking for up. Uh, the the street was looking for up 3.7, and it came in. Uh, it came in up six. So uh, that that's a little bit bearish. Crude stocks have now built 28 million barrels over the last five weeks, and, and that's a little bit more than, uh, actually, it's a lot more than we had forecast, and I think a lot more than uh, what the street was looking for, and certainly uh, that has contributed uh, somewhat to the decline here in uh, WTI along with, uh, along with some other factors. Finally, finally, we got a bullish number in gasoline. Gasoline uh, drawing almost uh, 5 million barrels. I actually was looking for a build, so I, I was way off on that. But uh, the, the street was down 1.9. Gasoline has been uh, sort of an eyesore here on the, uh, on the energy complex for the last, well, just about all year, actually. Gas, gasoline can't seem to get out of it, it its own way. So we finally had a little, uh, a little bullish daylight. I, I wouldn't say that that's turned the corner on uh, gasoline because globally uh, gasoline stocks are in uh, pretty good oversupply. But nevertheless, we, we had a draw and we had a draw on pad one, which we really need because uh, uh, we are just overwhelmed here in, uh, in pad one on, uh, on gasoline supply. Distillate, that drew by 2.2 right in line with street expectations. And as has been the case, through the last six to eight months, this still looks bullish. We're at 130 million. The four-year average is 138.1. And globally, unlike gasoline, distillate diesel is, is in uh, short supply. Jet fuel is going uh, crazy in Asia. Diesel is strong in, in Asia as well. Jet fuel is, is, is doing well in, uh, in Europe. So again, the middle distillate part of the barrel where gasoline has been a, a, an eyesore, distillate's really, diesel is, is, has really been a, a star and will probably continue to, to be so. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, finally, Cushing built. Uh, we've been saying that we think Cushing's going to build here. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that with new pipelines opening up from uh, the Permian uh, that Cushing is uh, going to build. It's still a little on the low side historically, but I think over the next four weeks, uh, we're going to see uh, stocks build at the delivery point as the new Sunrise Pipeline begins to crank it up from, uh, from the Permian. Demand this week was good. 
uh, demand overall uh, in uh, the second half has been pretty good, led by uh, led by petrochemicals actually, and and uh, also uh, also distillates. Total stocks fell by eight million. We're at sixty-two days supply, and that's relative to the four-year average of sixty-three point five. So you know, a little little below average, but nothing to get uh, nothing to get crazy about. So that's a quick, quick and dirty, Marty, on the numbers. Andy, if I, if I can chime in, uh, you mentioned the Permian. Did I also see or, or hear that the Bakken shale volumes have increased to become an important part of the market as well? Yeah. I mean, they, they, they have. Uh, you know, Bakken production had really declined up into the last, um, you know, in, in 17, in 2016 to 2017, there had been a natural decline, but that has now reversed itself and has, has grown nicely in uh, 2018. Uh, part of that is, is because of the opening of the Dakota, Dakota Access Pipeline, you know, which has allowed uh, the Bakken to move more freely uh, out, of, out of the Dakotas. Um, so the, these uh, differentials ha have narrowed in, unlike what's going on in Canada, where uh, crude is still stranded, Marty. Right. Uh, it's uh, heavy, heavy crude is trading like 52 under. Uh, w yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's just a stranded as asset. Um, no, so if you yeah. could get it in the refinery, you're in great shape. Oh man, if you could get yeah, if you could get heavy heavy um, WCS into your refinery, you're 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 in better than great shape. Wow, but you know therein lies that's therein lies the problem is right. is uh, is getting it out of getting it out of there. You know one one other thing as long as we're talking differentials here, the um, Differential from the Permian to Cushing, you remember like a few weeks ago it was 16, 17 under right. uh, the, because of similar to Canada, you know, no access out of there. Well, the Sunrise Pipeline, which will begin in, in earnest on November 1st, added 360,000 barrels a day capacity out of, out of the Permian into Cushing. And that differential has gone from 17, 16, 17 under to like $3, $3 under. Wow. Big, yeah, I know. Big move, big move. Huge move. But you know what? It's probably going to weaken again because production is still set to grow in the, in the Permian over the next, you know, four to six months. And uh, capacity is not going to grow anywhere. Near, pipeline capacity isn't going to grow anywhere near that. Right. Now, one thing we we spoke about um, before the before we started the podcast is uh, demand. You know, I was saying demand is okay, but we're beginning to start. We're beginning to see uh, these agencies actually start marking down their projections for 2019 demand. Uh, IEA, EIA, OPEC. You know, they're all shaving it by uh, at least beginning 100 to 200,000 barrels a day. Yeah, um, I, I saw some of that. That's right. And I, I think that's owing to, you know, certainly uh, the, the trade war, higher interest rates, demand in um, the currencies uh, have made, the currency differentials ha has made crude expensive for the emerging markets. 
and um, you know because of the because of the strength of the because uh, of the strength of the dollar. So you know, de demand naturally is going to be is going to be uh, is going to be cut. Emerging markets in the stock market have been taking a beating for uh, you know a good six seven months though, Andy too, haven't they? Right. Right, and I think I think we can anticipate that uh, petroleum demand uh, is uh, is going to going to soften uh, because of it, and and it may right. it, you know and the market has been worried about that, even though it was rallying up to seventy six dollars basis WTI, you know it was certain it was certainly out there, and I think the that potential is out there, and uh, I do believe that. Uh, part part and parcel of the decline has been what's going has happened in the uh, you know has happened in the equity markets. What we've seen in the equity markets, which is a result certainly of fears of higher interest rates and the and the trade war on on um, global growth and uh, what they're going to be doing to uh, to profits. So, you know, we've certainly seen the stock market come off from its highs. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize the stock market is a leading indicator, not a lagging indicator. Right, so right. So the, the smart people are saying kind of watch out, especially in the emerging markets. Yeah, and the emerging markets are, are well off, you know, well off their highs. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what, what ultimately, uh, where, where this demand ultimately comes in, but, you know, brings up, uh, an important factor for next year is that demand seasonally declines from fourth to first quarter by, you know, so, somewhere between 700,000 barrels a day and a million barrels a day, uh, owing to, to decline in, uh, in gasoline and uh, some biodiesel, biodiesel decline as well, uh, or un unconventional decline. Now, given that decline, Plus the increase in OPEC and non-OPEC production that, that we're anticipating, it does look like first quarter and second quarter, we're going to see a pretty good surplus. Mm. Uh, we could see as much as a million barrels a day surplus, depending on, uh, you know, depending on where OPEC ends up on uh, production. Certainly, Marty, we've been talking about the Iranian, um, you know, these sanctions for what, since we started since this we started yeah yeah, yeah. Since, since we started the, the podcast and at long last you know like like election day you know the the sanctions day is uh you know arriving on us, right on yes. november 5th finally and, uh you know the day before the midterms i guess but you know it is looking like that number is going to be it looks like we're going to lose about a million and a half barrels a day, at least of uh, maybe more, uh, maybe more because uh, it looks like the, the Chinese who just loaded up on Iranian crude in uh, August and September, you know, the, the, their purchases right now are, are well off where I thought they'd be. Uh, so the, the number could be, you know, it could be closer to 1.7 to 1.8 million barrels a day of uh, Iranian exports lost. And the big question is, you know, will OPEC, can OPEC and non-OPEC make that up? Probably not totally by fourth quarter, but certainly by first quarter, yes. The answer is yes. Uh, and why is the answer yes? Well, Saudi 
has uh, already increased production by 700,000 barrels a day. We're seeing increases from Iraq, the UAE, Kuwait, Libya, Nigeria. Um, you know, I, and I think that that what's bearish for this market is that uh, is that OPEC is now unrestrained. Right. The, the, you know, they're they're unrestrained, so there's no you know uh, I don't know what Saudi's going to put out, but you know they're on an upward they're on an upward swing now on uh, on production as as are their um, Persian Gulf counterparts. But with everything else going on in Saudi Arabia right now, you have, it's hard to have any kind of crystal ball on what the, the future is going to look like, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. Although I'm beginning to believe that uh, the, um, uh, the the murder of uh, Khashoggi may, may end up, it could end up being bearish for the market because mm. it, it, it would be a hard, it would be hard the Saudis are already being portrayed as uh, as bad actors now, and you know it would really be hard for them right now to say we're going to you know we're going we're going to reduce production to to support the price. I, I don't think that's going to fly amongst their uh, consumers. Certainly not uh, not here in the U.S. and uh, probably not in probably not in Europe either. So I, I think they may, you know, I think they may actually increase production more than what we need, you know, given, given what the first quarter looks like, you know, they've got, they've got that, uh, they've got that Karais field, Marty, you remember right. that? Right. Yeah. So, so that field, they're, they're expanding the capacity by 300,000 barrels a day, which should be on by, um, I think by December. Uh, it's not clear we it's not clear we need it, you know. But it it, it it's going to be produced. They're, they're, so, you know, right now they're at ten point eight million barrels a day production, maybe ten nine, and they they could go to eleven two or eleven three. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I I'm not sure we need that in first and, and second quarter, particularly since you know we're going up by by according to the EIA we're going up by half a million barrels a day. Uh, in the first half of next year, Russia's going to be up by a, a couple of hundred thousand, Canada up. So, you know, it, it, I don't know if, if the incremental Saudi barrel is, is really is really needed. You know, Andy, you mentioned uh, demand earlier, and now we're talking supply. I'd like to go to, and you mentioned the generally seasonal slowdown in demand, especially in the U.S. market with gasoline. What about the uh, ethanol going to 15%? If that goes through, that basically pulls 5% of the gasoline pool in the metro markets out of demand as well. Right. Is, is anybody talking about that at this point, or is everybody kind of waiting to see what the final legal status is versus the, the you know, what's going, versus what the EPA said versus what everybody else is saying? Right. I, I think it's the latter, Marty. People are talking about it. You know the refiners are definitely talking about right. it, right? And and not particularly in a good way, <laughs> right? But I think they are waiting for the you know waiting to see what the uh, what the final rules are going to what the final rules are going to be, and any legal challenges that uh, that inevitably happen. How they're yeah. gonna, how uh, they're going to be handled? You, you know, all these refiners are going to come out, and uh, yeah, there'll be legal challenges. I think you're going to see it from the automotive manufacturers as well. Right. And, and the, uh, you know, the small 
engine folks, you know, the, the John Deere's and the Harley's and the, you know, my weed whacker, those kinds, because it's, it's devastating to that type of equipment, which is a huge business. Huge business, right? Yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens after the midterms. And we'll see which way the, uh, you know, the administration uh, falls out on it. You know, they, they've certainly, I think that, um, I think Trump has, uh, you know, got a good taste for the, uh, you know, the farmers versus the refiners. You know, he's, he's been right in the middle of it. And, uh, exactly. You know, he's... I guess he figured that he needed the uh, he needed the farmers more than the, more than the refiners. Refiners, yeah, they're not all gathered in Iowa. That's why. That's exactly right. <laughs> they're not all in, they're not all in Iowa. He figures he's got you know Texas and Louisiana anyway, no matter what. Yep. Good. Let's see what else, if if uh, you know one other thing that that we will be talking about throughout. The um, throughout 2019 is, is going to be, and we've already spoke about it, Marty, is, is the IMO change on uh, on fuel specs for shippers. Right. And it was interesting um, that the administration came out very belatedly uh, saying, uh, hold on. You know, <laughs> I think when they realized what could happen here, uh, that the price of, of middle distillates and maybe even gasoline could really soar because of this. You know, I think they came, that, that was a, whoa, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> you know, why don't you guys, why don't you guys, uh, l- let's talk about this. I think it's a little late in the game, but uh, nevertheless, that, that's something to, uh, that's another thing, you know, the diesel gasoline, you know, where diesel looks so great and gasoline looks so, so lousy. Um, you know, that's another thing to watch along, along with the uh, ethanol spec change. Exactly, and that one that one's already in place internationally, and it'll take some rebuttal to overcome it. Where the ethanol thing could be uh, could be it will be challenged. Yeah, the ethanol will be challenged. The the that's it's twenty twenty on the uh, on the I I am on the spec, so it's not quite in place. Although many, you know, there's probably been hundreds of millions, if not billions, of dollars spent trying to. Um, adhere to the or trying to prepare for the that spec whether you know shippers put in scrubbers you know refiners do some upgrading um so you know another it's, it may not be sexy but it's it's something you know i know the industry is watching i was just at a conference in in new york a, a new york harbor fuel supply uh and it's all anybody was talking about i mean the, that and the ethanol both of them Really interesting. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, but these are you know these are trade people in the trade. Excellent, uh, excellent rundown. Anything else of uh, interest to our listeners at this point? No, I I think the market has been really hard. You know, it, it it's. I think that what's happening here is that we're we're going to go into a trading range. I think. We're, we're going to define the trading range on, on this move down, at least the lower end. And, uh, you know, maybe it's 62, 63. Maybe yesterday was the low. I don't know. But, and then I think we, we may range it uh, for, uh, for a bit here. You know, certainly I think it, it, in retrospect, looking at the upper, you know, when 
WTI at 76 and Brenton at 86, you know, way, way too, you know, th those were, were a little bit lofty given the fact that um, it, it, you could see that there'd be higher production on the, on the, uh, on the horizon. And, and at some point the market would start looking at the first half and away from uh, the second half, you know, and away from the, the, the fourth quarter. Right. Um, so I, I think we're going to range. I, I, I think we're going to try to range it. And I, I think the lows will be, you know, insight on, on this move down. Excellent. Excellent rundown, Andy. Okay. Thanks, Mari. Um, if you want to uh, see more of, of what we're talking about, please check out our website at uh, www.commodityresearchgroup.com. We put out a monthly report. We do these, we do these podcasts and, uh, you know, welcome uh, any feedback. Marty? Thanks, everyone, for listening. If, uh, if you heard some new topics today, like the IMO specification, or more importantly, why should I as a crude trader be worried about ethanol, take a look at our website www.ektinteractive.com for our Oil 101 and Oil 201 training series. I think it would help. Andy, thanks for the opportunity to participate. Okay, thanks, Marty. See you next week. See you next week.